Reverend Norbert Chopek of Czechoslovakia. Most of the time, I'm known as Reverend Mari Caballero. This morning, we're celebrating Flower Communion. Welcome. So we have a bit of a, a fun but sad story to tell you, but a hopeful one. We are a place where everyone is welcome. We are a liberal religious community. We are glad that you are here. If you're here for the first time, we hope to see you back again. So this morning we come here understanding that some of us feel very hopeful. Others are more in need of hope. Let's greet one another now, knowing that no matter where our heart is, while we're together, we're a strong community with much to offer and much hope to share. Please greet one another with hope and sharing in your heart. In the last days that a place called Czechoslovakia was ruled by the Austrian government, a poor village tailor and his wife lived with their only son. Their son's name was Norbert because he was born on St. Norbert's Day, a religious day for Catholics. But the couple had very little money. Not wanting Norbert to grow up poor and without proper food and any schooling, they sent him to live with his Uncle Victor in Vienna. Uncle Victor was also a tailor, like Norbert's parents, and he was also Catholic, as were most everyone in Bohemia. This agreement was that Norbert would work his way through school, helping his uncle at his tailor's shop. But Norbert soon began to realize that being a tailor wasn't for him. And he didn't like the Catholic church his uncle insisted that he go to. He instead enjoyed the Baptist church where he could sing. And talk about ideas of God and where the service was spoken in his own language instead of Latin. But when he told Uncle Victor that his uncle, his uncle became very angry, Norbert was immediately asked to leave. In a place very nearby, in a town much like where Norbert lived with his uncle, a young girl named Maruska lived with her father. They were even poorer than Norbert's parents. Maruska and her father made and sold matches. All day, Maruska's father would carve out little slivers of wood from leftover kindling, and then he would dip the slivers in thick red sulfur paste. When they dried, they could be scratched against charcoal and be used to light candles or fires. Marushka dreamed of going to school, being with other children, and learning about how things could be different. Before she had died, Marushka's mother read to her from books and told her stories about school. After that, it was just Marushka and her father, and school was out of the question. All day, he made the matches that Marushka would sell to passers-by in the town square. Even on their good days, they barely made enough money to feed them both. And on their bad days, when nobody bought the matches, 
Marushka's father would become so angry that he would beat her, send her out and tell her not to come back until she had sold all of her matches. Yes? What gives you hope? What gives you hope? Rain. Sunshine. What else gives you hope? Family and children. Hey, kids, what gives you hope? Bouncy houses. Great things give us hope all the time. Hope is very important. We all struggle from time to time. Like Norbert and like Marushka, we sometimes find ourselves in situations that seem unfair. Situations that we can't change right then. But like the characters in these stories we present this morning, we refuse to give up. Even in impossible times, we keep hoping. And what keeps us going, of course, is that hoping. Not a hope that our troubles will be solved for us, but a hope that continuing on we will see love in our relationships, freedom in our choices, and meaning in our lives despite our troubles. This morning, we light our chalice for the inspiration for the courage, and for the hope that there is more love in our lives than we are sometimes able to see. Please join me in reading the words from the order of service by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth, in the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. There is a reading that I need your help with. It's a responsive reading in your orders of service. And this responsive reading is taken from Reverend Norbert Chopek's yearly flower festival service in Prague, which he did in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. And you see, I'm telling a story today about a real person who really lived. His name was Reverend Norbert Chopek. And Lane is telling the story that's not about a real person. But both stories show hope in the face of a lot of troubles. So, I'm going to start it and you can join me in the italicized portion. It should be in the order of service. Responsive reading. In the name of providence, which implants in the seed the future of the flower, and in our hearts the longing for people to live in harmony. In the name of the highest, in whom we move and who makes the mother and father, the brother and sister, lover and In the name of sages and great religious leaders who sacrificed lives to hasten the coming of the age of mutual respect, let us renew our resolution sincerely to be real brothers and sisters 
regardless of any kind of bar which estranges us from each other. In this holy resolve, may we be strengthened, knowing that we are God's family, that one spirit, the spirit of love, unites us, and endeavor for a more perfect and more joyful life. Amen. Every week we get together and we all have different things that we believe and we all have different reasons for coming to church. But we all come here for one same reason and that's around our mission statement. Please join me in saying it. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. his uncle turning away from him, Norbert felt like he was being abandoned for believing differently. It was a hard time, but the Baptist saw that he had courage, kindness, and a yearning for justice. They sent him through seminary where he became the Reverend Norbert Chopik. He earned money by selling Bibles starting a magazine about science and psychology and preaching. During this time, Catholicism was still a state religion. Being a Baptist, while not illegal, was regarded by the government as suspicious. The police raided Norbert's gatherings more than once. It would have been tough enough to endure by himself, but by this time... Norbert was married with many children of his own. The threats and violence against his family was more than he could tolerate. The Chopics went abroad and wound up in the United States. His wife died, leaving him with eight children. Norbert visited the New York Library often so he could read the newspapers from his own country, and he continued to publish writings about the Czech movement. It was at the library where he met Maya, whom he later married. It was also there that he met uh, a man named Masarisk, the leader of the Czech movement abroad. Though Masarisk, through Masarisk, he found Unitarianism. Norbert was overjoyed to find the faith that he felt he'd been moving toward his whole life. He enrolled into Meadville Lombard Seminary, the Unitarian Seminary in Chicago, and graduated as a Unitarian minister just as the First World War ended. The end of the war brought about large numbers of Czech people abandoning the Catholic Church. Norbert's friend, Morosic, Morosic, is this right? <laughs> I don't know who the other guy was. His friend Morosic <laughs> went back to lead the Czech people and became their first president. Soon after Norbert, soon after Norbert went back to create a church which helped give people hope instead of hardship. It was difficult work and often dangerous because the Catholic Church was still very powerful. But Norbert felt like he had to go despite the troubles. 
When Marushka left the house, snow was falling, and the wind pressed against her face. It was bitterly cold in the dark, and she had no cap for her head or shoes for her feet. She had slippers on when she had left home, but they were not much good, for they were so huge. They had last been worn by her mother, and they fell off Marushka's feet when she was running across the street to avoid two carriages that were rolling rapidly by. One of the shoes could not be found at all. The other was picked up by a boy who ran off with it, saying that it would do for a cradle when he had children of his own. So Marushka had to walk in her bare feet, which were red and blue with the cold. She carried a quantity of matches in her old apron and held a packet of them in her hand. Nobody had bought any from her all day long, and nobody had even given her so much as a penny. Hungry and perishing with cold, she looked the picture of misery. The snowflakes fell on her golden hair, but she paid no attention to that. Lights were shining from every window, and there was a most delicious odor of food coming into the streets from all the shops that were just closing up. She found a corner between two houses where the wind didn't seem to blow so hard. There she crouched, drawing up her feet under her. But she was colder than ever. She didn't dare to go home, for she had not sold any matches had no money and no food. Her father would beat her. And besides, it was almost as cold at home as it was here in the street. They had only the roof over them, and the wind whistled through it, although they stuffed up the biggest cracks with rags and straws. Marushka began to worry about what would happen. She found it hard to see the hope that she yearned for, that she would find herself in the warm embrace of people who welcomed her. Her hope was having a hard time keeping up with her troubles. Please join me now in the spirit of prayer and meditation. Have you ever had so much trouble that you didn't know what to do? Have you ever felt so lost that you began to lose hope? We all get there sometimes. Every so often we're asked to do things that are uncomfortable Sometimes we feel impossible, and we feel alone and frightened. We're afraid of the trouble in our lives and the pain that it causes. That's true, but often we're more afraid that no one cares and we're all alone. We're afraid that nobody will ever know the things we care about, what worries we carry, or the troubles we've seen. In this time of sacred silence, I invite you to reflect on hope. Think about all the hopeful things in your life, despite the troubles that you've seen. During the musical meditation, I invite you to think of one of your troubles, or maybe even think of one of your hopes, and I invite you to light a candle for one of your troubles or one of your hopes, and the flame will become smoke that rises up and fills this room and becomes the very breath that we all breathe, and that way we all breathe in and carry with you those hopes and those troubles so that you're not alone. 
The first candle we light today will be for the people affected by the tornadoes in Moore, Oklahoma. We hold them in our hearts. These words were written by Maya Chopik, Norbert's wife. Listen to how she describes returning to Czechoslovakia after the war. We did not know anyone there, nor did the Czech people know anything about Unitarianism. We rented a concert hall for our meeting, and it was jammed. Finally, we built our own place, which we called Unitaria. The services were starkly simple. People came from many religious backgrounds, and none wanted to be reminded of their old churches. No gown was to be worn by the minister. No singing of hymns, nor any prayers. Instead of passing collection plates, people paid as they entered. To avoid the appearance of organized religion, they called the movement the Liberal Fellowship. The stated goal was to provide spiritual and ethical education and create a loving community based on individual freedom and universal brotherhood. The Chopics Church flourished in the years between the wars. It quickly became the largest Unitarian church in the world. But with the occupation of the country by the Nazis, the church was threatened with extinction. Norbert knew that the people were frightened. Many among his congregation were threatened or beaten or put in prison. Some had their houses or businesses robbed, shut down, or burned by the Nazi soldiers. Others worried that they would be next. There seemed to be little to hope for. One of the traditional annual services that offered people hope was the church service of the Flower Festival. For this service, everyone brought a flower with them to church. And at a point during the service, a communal vase was brought to the front, and each person would place their flower inside. At the end of the service, each person again went to the vase and retrieved a flower different from the one they brought and took it home with them. The flower communion symbolized that despite how hard life became, each person still had something beautiful to contribute and that it was offered of their own free will to the common good. Also, that despite the troubles around them, each, <clears throat> each person could find something beautiful to take with them for the common good. Marushka's hands were almost stiff with cold. She held onto all the matches as if her life depended on it. Oh, one little match would do some good. If only she dared, she would pull one out of her bundle and strike it on the wall to warm her fingers. She pulled one out. How it sputtered and blazed. It burned with a bright, clear flame, just like a candle, when she held her hand around it. Now the light seemed very strange to her. Marushka imagined that she was sitting in front of a big stove with polished brass feet and handles. There was a splendid fire blazing in it and warming her so beautifully. 
But what had happened? Just as she was stretching out her feet to warm them, the flame went out. The stove vanished. And she was left sitting at the end with her burn match in her hand. She struck a new one. It burned, blazed up, and where the light fell upon the wall, it became transparent like gauze. And she could see right through it into the room. The table was spread with snowy cloth and beautiful china. A roast goose sat on a big dish in front of her. And just as she was about to stick her fork into it, the match went out. And there was nothing to be seen but the thick black wall in front of her. She lit another match. This time, she was sitting under a hearth with other boys and girls. She was surrounded by Christmas candles. Everyone was happy and had gifts in their hands. And there was one for her. And to her surprise, she had, also, she had one to give, tucked under her tattered shawl. Marushka stretched out both of her hands, offering the other children her gift. When out went the match. All the Christmas candles rose higher and higher till she saw that they were only the twinkling stars. One of them fell and made a bright streak across the sky. Someone is dying, thought Marushka, since that is what her mother had told her about falling stars. Now she struck another match against the wall. And this time, it was her mother who appeared in the circle of the flame. Marushka saw her quite clearly and distinctly, looking so gentle and happy. Mother, she cried, I'm so happy you're here. I know you'll vanish when the match goes out, like the warm stove and the delicious goose and the children around the beautiful Christmas lights. But tell me about the stars again. Tell me before you go. Her mother explained, that each boy and girl has a star up in the sky. And the star burned brightly with hope, not only for them, but for all children, all the stars everywhere. And as Marushka listened, she felt that hope. She hastily struck a whole bunch of matches because she wanted to keep her mother with her. The light of the matches made it as bright as day. Her mother had never before looked so big or so beautiful. She lifted Marushka up in her arms, where there was no more cold, no hunger, and no pain, for they were with one another. Have you ever been able to imagine something so beautiful that it gave you hope? Me too. That it helped you during really tough times? Yeah, we all have. From time to time, when things are at their best or at their worst, we discover that one star is not enough for us. Nor is one flame of a match or one flower in a vase. Sometimes our grief or worry needs more than ourselves to find comfort and meaning. Sometimes our joy overflows too much to hold in and to keep to ourselves. Today, we want to recognize this as we share together our flower communion service. We invite you now to bring your flower up to place in front into the communal vase. If you didn't bring a flower, you can just come up and look at them. It shows that we each have something beautiful to offer, no matter how difficult our lives can be.
Every year when Reverend Chopik held this flower communion at his church in Prague, he would pray the same prayer. And this was it. So please join me in prayer once more. He'd say to the congregation, Infinite Spirit of Life, we ask thy blessing on these thy messengers of fellowship and brotherly love. May they remind us that amid diversities of knowledge and of gifts, to be one in desire and affection and devotion to thy holy will. May they also remind us of the value of comradeship, of doing and sharing alike. May we cherish friendship as one of thy most precious gifts. May we not let awareness of another's talents discourage us or sully our relationship, but may we realize that whatever we can do, great or small, the efforts of, a, of all of us are needed to do thy work in the world. Amen. Warmer continued to preach against the Nazi occupation. He was regularly questioned by the Gestapo, who demanded that he not speak out against the Reich. Although Norbert didn't speak out against them on Sunday mornings, he continued in his work against the occupiers by forming a resistance committee, which met in the church and helped Czechs escape from the Gestapo. Finally, in the spring of 1941, Norbert declared, I can bear it no longer. I must speak the truth and not be a coward. He issued his forthright challenge to the Nazis by using his Sunday morning sermon to contradict a speech made by Hitler. Five days later, the Gestapo came to his home, charged him with listening to a foreign broadcast, and sent him to prison. At the same time, a high-ranking Nazi official was assassinated, which ignited a fury of violence. Many Czechs were killed. Norbert was sent to Dachau in retaliation. On his papers were the fatal instructions, return unwanted. In prison, Norbert kept his fellow inmate spirits up with humor and caring and cheerfulness. But... As he was now over 70 years old, he was quickly transported with other older prisoners to that part of the camp where experiments were being conducted. Norbert Chopik, after four months in Dachau, died in October 1942. Marushka kept lighting the matches that she had brought with her to sell. She refused to let go of the sight of her mother before her. As she heard and reheard the stories her mother told her, it was just the same voice that she knew, in the same way that she'd always remembered. She felt warmer, comforted, full of hope. Match after match burned. She smiled broadly as each one flared up. In those small flames, she could feel her own soul rise up and glow as well. In the cold morning light, Marushka sat there, in the corner between the houses, with rosy cheeks, and a smile on her face. She had died during the night, frozen on the coldest night of the year. The new morning broke, 
and on her little body, still sitting with the ends of the burned-out matches in her hands. Every one of them had been used. The people who had found her and gathered round were mystified. Her face still radiated hope and peace. She must have tried to warm herself, they said. And they were sad. But nobody knew what beautiful visions she had seen or understood the depths of her comfort. Nor did they fully grasp that even in the darkest times, not even death could take away this young girl's hope or the meaning that she had found through things that she loved most dearly. The hardest times and the most dire moments are not strong enough to rob us of our capacity to love. Not even death can take from us the love that is exchanged between people. It is with us as long as we have love to offer. It is with us whenever we're open to receiving love from others. By offering what we can. By making room to receive the offerings of others, we carry with us the hope for our future. Our hope in this community comes from the gifts that we freely give one another, the gifts of time and talent and encouragement and hope and the gift of money. After the basket comes to you, whether you have sold enough matches to make an offering or not, we invite you to come forward to this communion vase and take a flower, whether or not you brought a flower with you. And make sure that it's a different one from the one that you brought with you today. May you know that it returns to you in unexpected and exciting ways. And may you know that no challenge is so great is to make beauty or love impossible. As unique as every flower is, so are we, individual and unique and special and have great beauty to bring this world. And now please join me in the words by which we extinguish our chalice. They're found in your order of service. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of love, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Got love on the brain. May the love which overcomes all differences, which heals all wounds, which puts to flight all fears, which reconciles all who are separated, be in us and among us, now and always. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.